0: the mind behind Master-Slave Lifestyle. What makes a good master or a bad master? And what is the difference between a noble or a vile slave? And do you know the difference? Discover your warrior, magician, lover, and king. Journey into the light and shadow of Master-Slave relationships and how this can allow you to go deeper than you ever thought you could a new series of episodes released every month between the interviews. What's your shadow? What's your pull to the dark side? Master as a magician can transform a slave to fulfill their potential in every walk of life, including to levels of submission that they never thought was possible but master as a magician can also be an unfeeling monster that destroys someone just because they can. In this episode we're going to cover the psychology of master as a magician. This is based on a set of Jungian archetypes which are king, warrior, magician and lover I found that this model can allow us to connect and in some ways break down the powerful power dynamics and energy between master and slave and see what is good and what is less than good about them so we can change and adapt ourselves. Over the course of this episode, I'm going to cover what it means to be master as a magician and then cover some of the dark sides. And then at the end, I will finish with some actions you can take to improve the magician within you. Master as a magician can be broken down into a number of areas. And we'll start with master as a transformer. And this is a significant role that the master plays. A slave cannot become the slave they're meant to be without the master and the training that the master provides. The magician is our problem solver. It allows us to see situations and problems objectively and from different perspectives. And when we see things differently, we can have a paradigm shift that can be transformative. A master needs these skills to train a slave successfully. For example, to figure out how to move a slave to a deeper place of submission, or how to train a slave to get the most service from them. Each slave has a different way of working with particular issues and barriers a master must help them overcome. And therefore, a master must adapt and change their approach for each slave. It is the magician inside the master that allows them to do this. The master is a facilitator and guide to the slave through his training. This enables the slave to embrace his full power as a slave and in all the other parts of the slave's life. A skilled magician master for training and skill can shift a slave's perspective to understand the new concepts that deepen their submission. This can also help the slave overcome their limits in thinking and their perspectives of mastery and slavery. For example, in 2016, when I moved to Berlin to be with my master, I was under come control. The master wished me to play with myself while still not coming. And you can probably guess what happened eventually. There was one day I played a little too much and I came. And so I told the master, and he thought about what happened and rather than punishing me in the traditional sense what he decided to do was set up a series of sessions where he painfully edged me. The pleasure and sensation were so intense that I desperately wanted to move away and stop it. Instead I had to learn to remain still and not move at my own accord rather than being in bondage or bound. I had to stay in the same place despite the intensity and unpleasantness of the sensations at times. As the master was edging me and I struggled not to move, I then had to say, for your pleasure, sir, again and again and again. Over time, I learned through doing this that even my pleasure was a service and gift to him. Something that he did for his pleasure. It was a profound thinking for me that I take to this day in submission. I should also say that I was also warned that if I ever did come without permission again, I would be most painfully punished. So there was the threat of it would be much worse if I did this again. Another aspect of master as a magician is master as an intuitive. In addition to this objective problem solving way of working, a magician can also be an intuitive. Sometimes logic itself is insufficient and more information can come by connecting deeper into the scene's energy, deeper to the slave, or even to the connection and power dynamics itself. If you're more logical, it can be easy to discount this as mumbo jumbo, but much of the power exchange can come from a spiritual and primal place. This can manifest in the master or slave as wisdom that comes from nowhere, and often it's acted on instinctively. Another way this can manifest is by asking the universe what one should do. Or in another way by asking a higher power. Should you break through a limit with a slave? How should the training with the slave continue? Should you stop? For example, a master might find themselves with a slave who has consensually agreed to something, but at some point the slave decides this is not what they want. For example, they might be asked to be released from a cage or captivity. Or they might be begging for flogging to stop, or perhaps something else. What does a master do at this point? As the slave consensually agreed, can the master continue? Or is it that the slave did not truly understand what they agreed to and to continue to destroy all trust between the master and slave? Or worse, the slave so traumatized they would never serve or do BDSM again? Or is it that the slave is struggling and if the master pushes through the slave's boundary, the slave will move to a deeper level of submission or experience a paradigm shift that will make them a better slave and they will thank the master for doing this. Either option is a possibility. But this is a terrible responsibility on a master to decide what to do. And this is something that does come up in masters that I coach especially if you're going more into that 24 7 and total power exchange side what do you do if you do find yourself in this position I recommend is to ask the universe as well as common sense I should add many spiritual tops or masters in this position will check in with this higher power to see what it says and whether they should continue and push through the slaves boundaries or whether they should stop This deeper power, this intuitive place, often has the answer. This does involve the master placing their ego aside. Many masters have a large ego. In fact, I wanna say all masters have a large ego. And the trap can be to use one's ego to decide what to do in every situation. Using one's ego will often lead to the wrong decision In checking and trusting a higher power, the master can keep his own ego in check and ensure that if they do decide to move forward, they're not doing this for selfish or egotistical reasons. I actually am a master to a number of slaves myself, and I do find this, let's say, higher power or this connection to energy, a great source of information. It allows me to know when a slave is done and I should stop, and it allows me to know when I should push a slave forward. Another aspect of the master's magician is with rituals. One way of helping to transform a slave is through rituals. This includes protocol training or a series of training. A simple example is the placing of a collar on a slave. This ritual of claiming ownership, even if it's just for a short scene, is a ritual and a symbol to help both master and slave move into their roles. With some of my coaching clients who are masters, I've recommended using an initiation ritual when coloring and starting a scene with a slave. The master adapts the scene to the best format for himself and the slave he will be training. It can be done as a meditation, or it can be done as a series of protocol statements and answers, and the results are remarkable there's a richer connection sometimes joyful tears and emotions as the slave opens themselves up to the master more profoundly than they would without using the ritual rituals can also be used to start and end a scene moving people in and out of roles or going deeper into submission and then coming out of submission when taking ownership of a slave when moving a slave deeper into submission creating a paradigm shift for the slave, or even dealing with trauma. Rituals can be very intense or they can be very simple. They can involve anything from pain to caging to acting a role. It can even be as simple as extending eye contact from positions of power and submission. The possibilities really are endless. I know of some masters and slaves who view their playroom as a temple of transformation and the BDSM scene and the pact change that happens in them are transformative to both master and slave. In the previous episodes of Master as a Warrior and Slave as a Warrior, I do talk about this aspect of the beast and how can you listen and control the beast. Often it will be through rituals that your magician will help to create. So your magician can be used to figure out what your beast wants and then to create the right rituals that allow for a fun consensual scene that also allows your beast to be fed. Another aspect of master as a magician is the jester. Um, in modern times, the jester performed an essential role to the king in his court. And this role was to ensure the king did not become too inflated with his own importance. Imagine a king in his court, the trumpets playing, people chanting to his greatness and he himself high on his throne. And then the jester rolls in front of him and farts. Here the jester was there to ensure the king did not become too full of himself and remained grounded despite the pomp, spectacle and people around him. Masters also need a jester so they do not become too full of themselves, so they remain grounded despite their ego. Unfortunately in the 21st century it's rare to find jesters looking for employment. So what is a master to do today? Well, the first thing is remember this is an archetype, so it is part of ourselves and therefore it's already part of a master. And so a master can use this part of themselves to poke fun at what they do to keep them grounded. It has been detailed to me, for example, about how many masters at Delta are meeting up together will have a good laugh with each other about what they do as masters. And this is their gesture in action, a way for their magician to healthily deflate their egos and to keep them grounded. So we've just covered master as a magician, and we're now gonna look at the shadow of master as a magician before looking at the actions. Let us go into the shadow of the magician. What does this mean for the master? Now, very quickly, so for each of the archetypes I speak about, we also have a shadow state for them. Um, Shadow is often the bit of ourselves that we repress or hide. It also can be this insidious part of ourselves that we can end up doing things without realizing it that are actually darker in the shadow. Now the shadow of the magician is around being bad or deficient somehow or there's something wrong with you. However, I'm not gonna go into that much detail in this episode about that. I'm gonna cover this much more in slave as a magician, though it will apply to both masters and slaves. Instead, I want to cover how the shadow can manifest as a magician as there's two very interesting places that can be very dark depending on the personality. The first of these is The shadow master as a magician, as the manipulator. Now, as I discussed before, master as a magician will transform a slave into the best slave and person they can be. Whereas the manipulator is selfish. This sort of master only wants to manipulate people for their own needs, not caring about the slaves at all. A manipulator would take great joy in manipulating a slave to believe they're wrong in their needs. Other times it could be like a cat with prey, manipulating and playing with someone just because they can. Often manipulators can be cruel. And I think we've all come across these people before. Those who through a supposed compliment make a cutting comment that makes us feel bad about ourselves. Or the people that when they see someone succeed, shine or attempt to grow, do their best to destroy the light in that person. And this can be especially true if they're overinflated and want to think that they are the best and better than those around them. If anyone else starts to succeed, becomes a threat to that overinflated view that they might have about themselves. The manipulator often does not want to give their knowledge to others to help for fear that they would lose control. Instead, they only give a part of what someone needs holding back to keep the slave or the person in control. This often gives rise to control tactics and other methods of mind control that are not consensual or healthy. An example of this is such as what is used in a sect. An example of this is a master who's very limited in describing his household to a potential slave. He drops just enough breadcrumbs that a slave can become so invested and desperate to serve the master that they overlook much of what the master was telling them about his household is untrue. And this technique is exactly the same that is used to get people to join sex to get someone so desperate to join by giving just enough breadcrumbs about how amazing it will be that they then overlook the fact that none of that was actually true. Another example of manipulation is around consent. Some masters like to trick a slave into giving consent. And when the slave realizes they have made the mistake, the master turns it around saying the slave agreed to it after all, so it's their fault. This is not valid consent. When you trick someone into ownership, or you trick someone into consent for something you know they will not like, you are merely trying to create the appearance of consent while ignoring the true principle of it. Masters like this are operating from the shadow and slaves should avoid them. Another huge aspect that can come across with the manipulator is that they don't care about the consequence of their actions. This sort of master transforms and plays with someone to see what happens, without considering the consequences to the slave. Many masters want to go into deeper control, but then run away from the consequences of that control, leaving the slave on their own to deal with the damage and fallout. It's also worth noting that if you combine the manipulator with the tyrant, which is something we're going to cover in the King episodes, you get a full on psychopath. Let us move on to the next big aspect of the shadow master as a magician and that's as a persecutor. There's an aspect of the predator in the magician. In the past we needed to be hunters to survive and this aspect of the magician allowed us to be dispassionate in hunting and killing creatures so we could survive. This hunt this hunting instinct complains for a master trying to find a slave to hunt for someone and take them regardless of what their wants. A slave might have said no repeatedly to such a master, but the master as a persecutor will keep hunting and wearing that slave down until they give in and they win. Again, this sort of master is ignoring consent and using the genius of the magician to take the slaves as theirs. With some masters, the aim was to prove that they could take the slave, and once they have the slave, they lose interest because the hunt is now done, and the slave is left lost and wounded. And in some cases, there might be a lot of fallout because the master manipulated a breakdown of other relationships in order to get the slave. Now, how can the manipulator and persecutor come about? Well, the magician is more interested in thinking than feeling. What makes the magician such a good problem solver is the ability to look at the problem dispassionately. But this objectivity can lead the master to detach emotionally. They do not care about the slave and the impact of what that master might do upon the slave. The master is more interested in seeing what happens. Many masters wanna take deep control of a slave. They try techniques to deepen their control of the slave while also increasing their knowledge. They leave satisfied with what they've learnt, but they don't take responsibility for the impact and the outcome of what they have now done to the slave. This objectivity can also lead to a master being as interested in destroying someone as in building them just to see what happens or just to see if they can. For example, they might through their training have a slave entirely in love and dependent on their mastery and who will be completely lost when the master drops them for the next challenge. I've come across masters like this. They take on a new slave every year or two, dropping the old one when they're done or they can with with them. This actually came across very recently when I was talking with a slave and they'd had two years of consensual heavy mind control. And the master had then decided he wanted a vanilla partner, was bored with this and just cut the slave off and broke up with them. And this slave is now picking up the pieces of regaining part of their identity back, as well as feeling the hurt and the damage that someone could so easily drop them. To counter this, and to counter this, let's say pull to the dark side, the master must use empathy and connection to understand what the slaves needs and provide the journey and path for the slave to embrace its submission and service we shall cover more around connection in the lover episodes. So we've covered master as a magician, about how you can transform through problem solving, through this more intuitive side, and through also making sure you deflate your ego a bit through the use of the jester. And we then covered master as a shadow and how that transformation can turn into manipulation and how that problem solving and wanting to go after something can turn into a persecution where you stop feeling or caring about the slave and do what you want to them actions that you can take to grow your magician are actually quite simple some of them are around studying and learning the magician is a curious problem solver so, one of the best ways to engage in your magician is to study and learn. So, read books, watch documentaries, or you know, look at a website called masterslavelifestyle.com lifestyle.com. With mastery and slavery in particular, think about new techniques you want to learn. As a master, do you want to explore more bondage or learn Shibari? Perhaps you want to get into CBT and candle racks and learn how to do this to your slaves. You can also be creative. The magician is a creative problem solver. So get into creative aspects could be art, woodworking, writing, computers and so much more. A lot of the coaching I often do with clients is around getting people to reattach into part of their creative self. It's very common for many of us to lose sight of what we enjoy as we grow older. When my clients struggle to remember what they enjoy or what they're creative in I ask them to reflect back on their childhood and teenage years what gave them joy then and often there were some things there that are often quite creative even if it's something like sports because often sports is around becoming the best you can be. can also bring this creative side into master-slave relationships as a master perhaps there's something you've always wanted to do or a fantasy you want to fulfill. Use your magician to think about how you can do this realistically and consensually. And this is a great way to also access and give your beast what it needs as well. For more action on how to work on your magician and how to find out more, you can purchase a book I've written called Light and Shadow at masterslavelifestyle.com book. You can also take a free quiz to test your own light and shadow at masterslavelifestyle.com slash quiz. You can also support the podcast by becoming a Patreon member while also getting early access to podcast episodes. In the next episode, we're going to cover Slave as a Magician. (laughs)